in-depth, investigative. This is KXAN News Today. Austin homicide investigators busy this morning working three separate investigations that left four people dead. Good morning, I'm Sally Hernandez. And I'm Tom Miller. We are now at 39 homicides total for the year in Austin. According to the police department, the first incident from yesterday, two shot and killed in southeast Austin, happened at a home on South Glen Street. This is close to McKinney Falls Parkway and Burleson Road. Police say officers went to do a welfare check around 4.30 yesterday afternoon. And once there, officers found a man and woman in their 70s dead from gunshot wounds. Police saying they have not located any suspect or have any suspect information to share at this time. The second investigation was on East 52nd Street and Cameron Road. That's when police said they were investigating a homicide that happened in the area of Central East Austin. Police telling us two people got into an argument, led to one shooting the other. The victim, a man in his 40s, was found at a gas station on that road. Investigators think the two people did know each other. And the third scene, a shooting on Airport Boulevard just north of Springdale Road. Police saying someone called and said they heard gunshots. And when officers got there on scene, they found a teenage boy in a Valero gas station with gunshot wounds. He died there. Witnesses describing the situation as a gun battle with multiple suspects and multiple weapons. There are no suspects in custody right now. Now, APD is currently dealing with a staffing shortage. It says the need for officers is growing and it's weighing on investigators. Right now, as far as personnel, we're, we're doing as, as best we can right now. I know the detectives are, are somewhat overwhelmed um, due to just having a, a, a shortage of them at, at this point in time, especially during you know, a busy evening like this. But I can assure you that we're doing everything we can to locate the individuals responsible for these, for these particular actions. Um, but again, I mean, it, it's going to take um, the public's help also to, to kind of uh, figure out what's going on. Going in depth, more money is going toward the Austin Police Department this year. Yeah, it's having some staffing trouble. Here's what the numbers look like. In 2022-2023 fiscal budget, it had $785 million in public safety funds, 35% going to APD. Looking closer at the proposed budget for the next fiscal year, 35% also going to APD, but that comes out to $836 million total. First warning weather with meteorologist Kristen Curry. Well, good Monday morning to everyone watching. Good morning to those listening in on the podcast. We are nice and quiet as we kick off a brand new work week here. Nothing showing up on radar. We've got clear skies as seen from our Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center camera there down in South Austin. Temperature wise, we're pretty similar to what we had yesterday at the moment. Upper 70s to low 80s for the I-35 corridor. Eastern counties, a little warmer out in the hill country in those low to mid 80s for San Saba, Mason, in Llano County. As far as that trend goes here, it's going to feel and look very similar to what we had yesterday. So here's your warning. Temperatures already about one to two degrees warmer than where we started yesterday. I think those afternoon highs are going to match what you felt on Sunday, which unfortunately was a record high of 108. We're going to likely see records be broken for the next several days. So 108 is expected today. And because our humidity is a little lower, those heat 
index values pretty much match uh, your actual air temperature. So we're going to talk a little bit about the heat indices, but we're mainly talking just hot air sitting on top of central Texas over the next several days. So the heat alerts, those will continue. We'll talk about when we go into the record books and then good news. Finally, a chance of rain in the seven day forecast. We'll talk about when and where coming up. Thank you. One person is dead after swimming on Lake Austin. Paramedics pulled a person from the water near the Pennybacker Bridge in West Austin yesterday afternoon. Right now, they don't exactly know what happened in that situation. A fire that left a family of five in Elgin without a home is highlighting some staffing and procedural concerns. Fire chief on scene says crews did everything they could, including saving a puppy trapped inside. But he says he wishes they could have done more. KXN's Brianna Hall is taking a deeper look at the aftermath and the call for change. We're not walking away with anything besides our lives. Early in the morning on July 4th, a fire destroyed the Cooper family's home. The entire back of the house was like in flames and there was so much smoke that it was like hurting our eyes. The house is gutted, the roof is gone, caution tape surrounds the building. When you look closely, you can see signs of what it used to be. A purple bike contrasted on a black charred porch. Books still tucked away on the shelf, hiding behind burned wooden panels. Yeah, I wish I could save them. A complete structural loss such as this is more common in rural areas where it, they're dependent on volunteers with an extent, extended response time. Nicholas Teague is the fire chief and EMS program director for the Texas Public Safety Training Academy in Bastrop. He says the emergency services district where the Cooper's home is needs more money allocated towards fire staff. Districts are charged with the duty of properly staffing and preparing for such emergencies. We also spoke over the phone with the Bastrop Travis ESD chief Chris Bateo, who is in command on the scene of this fire. He says the blaze is quote a catalyst to moving forward a lot faster with our hiring process. He also tells KXAN he's looking into the dispatch details of the call because there have been communication snags recently when people call 911 because Elgin is right on the border of Bastrop and Travis counties. These guys that came to our house that night, we know them personally, we see them every day. Deja says her family has owned a cafe for years that firefighters frequent and the Coopers have become close friends with some of them. Sense of relief, but a sense of panic to watch them run into our home to save our dog. So for the Coopers, this response was personal. It's hard to think that that our very own first responders don't have the help or support that they deserve and that they need. Brianna Hollis, KXAN News. We did reach out to Bastrop Travis ESD board members about the staffing concerns. One sent us to the chief's comments and the others have not responded. Coming up, the Screen Actors Guild striking alongside the writers in Hollywood. A look back at the last time we saw the two striking together. And who's finding the status quo and why as Texas landlords are not required to provide air conditioning to tenants, the efforts to change the law failing. Good morning, a live look outside in a clear sky above the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center down there in South Austin. Hope you're having a great start to your Monday morning. You know, two major strikes are now underway in Hollywood as the Screen Actors Guild is striking alongside the Writers Guild. This is the first time this has happened in more than 60 years. Dominic Patton, senior editor at Deadline Hollywood, looks back on the last time both actors and writers were on strike. The last time the writers and the actors were on strike together in 1960, when, by the way, Ronald Reagan was the president of the Actors Union and Dwight Eisenhower was in the White House, that went on for a long, long time. It's a very different world, obviously, now, but now we're looking at competing interests and we're also looking at a long-term game. 
The industry is evolving at a rapid pace, and the studios, to hold on to their power, to hold on to their market share, they're determined to not let every contract cycle turn into a strike. Coming up this morning on the Today Show, inside the standstill at the negotiating table between the two unions, the studios as well, which includes NBC Universal's parent company, Comcast. As ERCOT releases another weather watch this week, where you can go if you need air conditioning or water in Austin. Uh, the Austin Animal Center is trying to create better adoption experiences and allow staff more time to rehome lost pets. Good morning, everyone. A live look outside from our camera over at the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center in southwest Austin. Waking up to some warm temperatures already this morning. Kristen has a look at the latest when it comes to your triple-digit heat to start off your work week in just the next few minutes. But first, as we talk about that record heat wave that brings down here in Texas, is bearing down here in Texas, ERCOT is now issuing another weather watch. The power grid manager stresses the state will have plenty of power to meet demand. And it's not calling on anyone to cut or cut back on conserve or energy. Still across the state, cities like Austin are opening up some cooling centers and water stations. They're offering a lifeline for Texans who do not have reliable AC. There are things that you can do to uh, try and minimize your heat exposure, like staying hydrated, like seeking shade, and finding a local cooling center near to you. And to locate a cooling center near you, you can go to our website, kxan.com, and just click on this story. Going in depth on this, ERCOT's weather watch goes through tomorrow. This is due to increased demand in its intense summer heat wave here. ERCOT's going to monitor conditions, but for now, it says great conditions are expected to be normal, meaning there's enough capacity to meet the demand. On Thursday, the power grid set a new record for all-time peak demand, exceeding 81,000 megawatts. And it's anticipated the state could go past that high mark this week. Last year, Texas set 11 new peak demand records. Uh, and we might set another record uh, here too, mm. Kristen, with a number of just these, these hot days one after another. Yeah, for sure, especially to start the work week. Oh, We're going to, unfortunately, yeah, uh, be all but guaranteed a record hot today. Let me show you what's going on with your forecast because we've got dry skies uh, area-wide, not even across Central Texas, but across the entire state. We are going to see dry skies this morning. Your temperatures this morning look and feel pretty good. We're still running above normal with those more Morning lows still in the 80s. Austin, Georgetown, Hill Country, Eastern counties in the upper 70s. But looking forward to today, look at these afternoon highs. I mean, it is brutal. We're seeing high temperatures between about 102 and 108 today. So I'll give you a second to find your neighborhood number. I don't think you're going to like it. Austin, that 108 likely to smash the current record of 105. That was last set back in 1984. But this is not going to be the first day we do that. We're likely to see those heat records uh, fall as we get into the next few days. Today and tomorrow, both underneath an excessive heat warning. That's that pink color. And again, this is the most serious alert we have when it comes to heat. There's nothing above an excessive heat warning, and that warning is in effect for all of the I-35 corridor. Most of the eastern counties, the exception Fayette, and then most of the hill country, with the exceptions being Blanco and Gillespie. Again, it's just different thresholds that need to be met to get an advisory versus a warning, but I'm going to tell you right now, 
everybody's hot. The humidity is actually a little bit better this week compared to last week. That's the good news. So we're not going to be worried about anything in the way of added control heat index values. In fact, those heat indices should be pretty close to the actual air temperatures today and tomorrow. We do start to see that humidity creep back up, though, towards the later half of the week. That will be matched with temperatures coming down just a couple of degrees. But bottom line, I mean, this 70 forecast is still showing hot temperatures 108 today 108 tomorrow 106 on Wednesday and then you'll notice we still stay above 100 degrees all the way through this weekend however with high pressure scooting a little bit further to the west that opens the door for a disturbance to potentially roll in this weekend it's a low rain chance right now but we'll hope to see at least the uh, possibility of a few isolated storms on Sunday right now rain chance stands at 20 percent Soaring temperatures, broken air conditioners, renters claim landlords do not work fast enough to make repairs. And those are common complaints that we receive with KXN investigators who have been following this for the last year. And a bill to address this issue statewide went nowhere in the recent regular session over at the state capitol. But KXN investigator Mike Resch reports one state representative says she's not giving up even though some say there aren't any needs for new laws. It's not as if Jake Salinas was dialing down the digits with reckless abandon a few weeks ago when he set his thermostat to what he considers a conservative 76. It started at 78 and then eventually would go to 81 and 82. And that felt off, um, obviously. Salinas says he notified his complex and the issue was fixed the next day. Still, he couldn't help but tweet the, quote, fun fact about his situation, writing he spent several months working on a bill to mandate functioning AC, and now the AC in his own apartment wasn't functioning very well. I work for Representative Cheryl Cole as their legislative director. And so he receives the constituent complaints a lot of times for my office. It was one of those complaints last July. The thermostat read above 90 degrees. From Thelma Reyes, that inspired Austin State Representative Cheryl Cole to file a bill in February to prioritize AC issues for renters. Reyes had been without cool air for five days, even though she said she had complained to her apartment's management. It was hotter in here than it was outside. Cole's bill aimed to require landlords to provide functioning air conditioning. And this surprised us when we were working on the issue that it is not a requirement in the state of Texas to have AC in your apartment unit. The bill also established more rules if the AC goes out. And it would have cut the amount of time that a landowner had to repair an air conditioned unit from seven days to five. And during that time, they had to have inputted a portable air conditioning unit, not a fan. But the bill was never heard in committee. I just think the members didn't think that it was as necessary as it is. Cole says the measure's biggest opponent was the Texas Apartment Association. In a statement, a spokesman wrote, Texas has eight unique climate zones, and the decision not to include air conditioning may reflect the rental property's location, the age of the property, or other factors. The association added, Texas already has laws under its property code to protect renters, including requiring owners to take reasonable and timely steps to make repairs of conditions that affect the health or safety of a typical resident. Still, Cole says her bill is needed. 
for one simple reason. It's hot. I feel strongly about it, and I'm still receiving complaints in my district, so I plan to file the bill again. And she says she'll work to get a warmer reception on her efforts to help Texans keep their cool. Mike Rush, KXAN Investigates. Cole cannot file another air conditioning related bill until the next legislative session in 2025. And she still has to be re-elected before then. A spokesperson for Austin City Council member Vanessa Fuentes confirms she is in the early stages of looking at the issue and potential solutions on a citywide level. This investigation started as a tip. If you have something that you think we should investigate, you can scan the QR code you see on your screen or send us an email to report it at KXAN.com. This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. Good morning to you. Another stop on the speaking circuit for Steve Sarkeesian. This is an important one. Texas High School Coaches Association Convention in Houston. All sports represented. Of course, we're just around the corner from the football season. College coaches, yeah, they like to be where the high school coaches are. Hey, look, Mac Brown back in the state of Texas alongside Sark and well, this is all about relationships, and when it comes to recruiting, it all goes through the high school coaches. Texas high school football and their coaches do a great job of creating a platform for our coaches to then recruit their players. And sometimes I think that gets lost in all of the other stuff that's happening. Uh, and so the opportunity for us to be here and to support them and, and what they do and how they do and why they do what they do, uh, that, that's why I'm here. Um, because they, they're so impactful for what we do. You know, the Texas High School Coaches Association, what they do, inevitably, we get players on our roster that are more ready to play, um, contribute to success. Uh, in reality, we forge great relationships with them. So for me, I go out in January and I, I kind of bebop around and I'm getting in weight training sessions and different things. I'm watching guys work. It's across the board. It's not just the teams that are playing for state championships. It's across the board. These guys work and these coaches have an impact on these young men. And, and that's why I want to celebrate them. That's why I'm here. I don't speak anymore, basically, um, outside of the North Carolina program, and this was something that I just really wanted to do because of all the, the coaches here that have meant so much to me, that helped me so much while I was at Texas, but also to, to say thank you to them. Well, Max excited. He's got one of the top quarterbacks in the country in Drake May coming back for North Carolina. Later today in Nashville, day one of the four-day SEC Media Days extravaganza, and Texas A&M will be one of the teams to go. Back to you. Brent Delgado, VP of Operations and Team Administration for MLS joins us. Brent, thanks for being here. First of all, describe the overarching concept of player protection during hot weather. Sure. The safety and well-being of not only our players, but our referees and our fans and staffs that are all at the games as well is of the utmost importance for us. So. When it comes to weather, we're obviously uh, across a myriad of different vari variables, uh, tracking those throughout the week to make sure that, you know, it is safe when all said and done to play the game as scheduled. Uh, and if it isn't, then we obviously make adjustments in, in, in reschedule or postpone or delay or whatever it needs to do until we can do that safely. You mentioned postponing or delaying games, but there's things you can do within the game to allow the game to go on, but also to make the players more comfortable. Can you talk about the 
the cooling and drink breaks that you guys have and, and when you use those? Sure. So we use uh, we utilize a, a, a measurement called the wet bulb globe temperature reading. Uh, and really, that's the, the basis for what ultimately determines if we have a uh, we have two actually they're called cooling breaks and then drinks breaks. Uh, so cooling breaks are if we hit a threshold of 82 degrees Fahrenheit on the WBGT, then those those become mandatory. And those typically happen within the 30th minute and roughly the 75th minute of, of the match. If we don't hit that threshold, the referee has absolute discretion, regardless of uh, of whether we hit that threshold, to be able to institute a drinks breaks. Um, the cooling breaks roughly last about 90 seconds, and the drinks breaks usually last about 60 seconds. So who calculates the wet bulb temperature, and why do you choose that as opposed to the feels-like temperature or, or heat index uh, as far as a criteria for player safety? Yeah, ultimately, the referee is the one that has taken the wet bulb globe temperature reading. Uh, we have a couple of different instances during the pregame and throughout the game where they are responsible for taking that measurement uh, directly from the field level. We use the wet bulb globe temperature as opposed to it feels like or the heat index, uh, as you indicated, um, because it takes a couple of different factors into play. Uh, it takes the wind, it takes the solar radiation, it takes the cloud coverage. And basically, we use that as, as ultimately determining how much stress is being put on the athlete or the referee or those that are engaging in physical activity. All right, Brent Delgado, VP of Operations and Team Administration for MLS. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, really appreciate it. Thanks for joining KXAN News today. You can also listen to KXAN News Nightly every weekday after 5.30 p.m. for in-depth coverage on what matters most to you. 